Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Get Peachy podcast with your host Angie. It is just me today. Um, So today I am going to be talking to you about how to stick to your calorie deficit. And I was going to try and jazz this up with some other words like how to optimize and maximize your calorie deficit. But I just thought, you know what, how to stick to it is probably more relatable. So um, hopefully you'll take a lot from this. And for those of you who are tracking in a calorie deficit right now, you might want to stop, make notes. Please do. I used to do this with podcasts all the time. I'd be walking. I'd stop the podcast. I'd make notes and then come back to the podcast and that kind of thing. So do feel free to stop, pause, write things in, uh, some things down. And um, yeah, so I'm going to give you some tips. In fact, I'm going to give you eight tips today that I tend to give to my clients and also tips that have worked for me as well. Uh, When I've worked through calorie deficits, I'm not tracking at the moment, but I have done many times in the past. Um, So I'm going to give you some tips that, yeah, I give to clients or that I have experienced myself. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Um, So number one, I am use a terminology called food blocking with my clients. And what this basically means is breaking down your meals into blocks. And those blocks are assigned to the amount of calories that you're going to eat. So let's give you an example for this. Let's say you had 1700 calories and that was your calorie target, calorie goal, limit, whatever you want to call it. And that was your calorie deficit, 1700 calories. And you are already eating a in a in a habitual way. You like a relatively normal size breakfast, a relatively normal size lunch. Normal. I'm using that terminology as just normal for you. So please don't like run with that and be like, "What's normal?" Um, normal to you, okay? Um, and dinner. Let's say you like a larger dinner. So with 1,700 calories we might look at breaking those three meals down into blocks. Now, we could very simply just go, okay, well, you've got 500 calories for breakfast, 500 calories for lunch, 500 calories for dinner. That gives you 200 calories extra for a snack here or there. And that system might work really well for somebody who prefers larger meals and the odd snack. But what I said was this particular person prefers a relatively normal size, so not a large breakfast and lunch, and a bigger dinner. So for example, this person might want 350 calories for breakfast, 350 calories for lunch, and 500 calories for dinner. So if we do the maths, that should leave us with 12, no, that should total 1200 calories and leave us with 500 calories to to play around with. So if we've got 500 calories to play around with, that means that we could potentially have 100 calories in between breakfast and lunch, which might be an apple, a banana, something to tie you over, a piece of fruit, Um, something in the afternoon. So for a lot of clients that I work with, the afternoon is prime time to make sure that you are utilizing your calories with um, fuel. So when I say fuel, I mean food, not just snacky bits and, you know, just throwing stuff in your mouth. I mean, sit down, have a small meal and enjoy that meal because the time between lunch and dinner can often be for many people where it quote unquote all goes wrong. So let's say this person 
had 250 calories for a snack or small meal between lunch and dinner. And then they had an extra 150 calories at the end of the day to bank if they didn't feel hungry or to have something after dinner. So all in all, we've got 350 calories for breakfast, 100 calories between breakfast and lunch as a snack, 350 calories for lunch, 250 calories between lunch and dinner, 500 calories for dinner and 150 calories to either bank or to have as a treat after dinner. So I tend to get clients to um, write this down to help them kind of view their food intake and help them sort of use it as a jigsaw puzzle to help them choose a amount of food to fit into that calorie limit, we should say. Um, now, this doesn't always work for everybody because some people prefer to eat, quote unquote, more intuitively. So they might have days where they feel super hungry and their breakfast might be 800 calories. Their lunch, there might be only 300 calories and their dinner might only be 200. And that's fine. But some people like the kind of guidance of well, how much, how many calories should I eat for this? And how many calories should I eat for that? And I tend not to give guidance like you should eat. 500 calories for your dinner. I tend to kind of say like, listen, have a go, track your first couple of days of food, see what you prefer. And hey, if you are somebody who doesn't eat breakfast and eats, you know, brunch or lunch only, you might find that your first meal of the day is 800 calories, but that works for you. So we know, okay, we can save that block in your food intake and we can then start to formulate, right, she's got 800 calories there. She's got 500 calories for her dinner. What has she got spare? Could we bank this or could we actually, you know, use it to eat something that you really enjoy that's going to prevent you to, from binging later on in the week? For example, it, you might spend those um, extra 150 calories each evening on a chocolate bar or some ice cream or something that's going to help you to feel not restricted in your calorie deficit and therefore leads to less urges or desires to binge and eat on things that you don't feel that you can fit into your calories. I hope that makes sense. Um, so number one is food blocking, I would say, making sure that you can see how many calories you've got and breaking down your meals into food blocks. And that then might help you to paint a picture from Monday to Friday, how many calories to fit into each meal. And then you can work out Saturday and Sunday and which comes on to my number two, which is setting up for socials or weekends or both. So. When you are dieting, you have to be prepared for the fact that you are never ever, unless you are prepping for a show, like a bikini competition, you're never ever going to eat the same way on a weekend as you do within the week. It's just not what we do. And I think having this picture in your mind that you're going to turn up to Saturday and Sunday and eat the same way that you did Monday to Friday is just a bit far-fetched. So I, I say this to every single client that works with me, stop getting annoyed at yourself that Saturday and Sunday does not look the same as Monday and Friday because it's not the point. The reason why we eat differently on Saturday and Sunday is because we're more social. We may have a different schedule. So we can't try and live the same way that we do. I mean, you could if you want to, but you might be quite miserable eating the same way Monday to Friday on the weekend. So you need to set yourself up for the weekend. And if you're really... Um, if you're really focused on st sticking within your calorie deficit and if you're really 
reading this, <laughs> listening to this, I would assume you are, you need to actually take this seriously because a calorie deficit for me, in my eyes, should be a short-term thing. Now, a short-term thing might last six months to somebody or six weeks to somebody, but it should be short-term, which means you should be paying attention to what you're doing on the weekends, especially if that's where you fall down because it's where most people fall down. So making sure you set up for social occasions is really important. Making sure that you set up for weekends where you're chilling at home and usually that's when you and your boyfriend like order a pizza and get a, you know, a massive share bag of chocolate to share. And you don't share it, you buy a bag each. Um, so we need to make sure we set up for that. So how do we do that? Well, we can go via the food blocking um, guide that I've just given you. So block your foods out for the week. And do you have any calories spare? If you've got something social coming up, you might want to use those extra 150 calories that you're not going to spend on the ice cream every evening. You're going to spend on a weekend when you're going out for dinner with your partner, with your family, with your friends. So that means that you can then have a glass of wine and the dinner that you really, really want and really enjoy it. Or, pardon me, it might be that you um, don't bank your calories, but what you do do is do do is um, you plan forward. So you might actually, and this is something that I sort of teach clients to. You can quick add into your into your My Fitness Pal. So the there are three dots on your My Fitness Pal. When you go to your um, sort of diary entry page, you can click those three dots and you can quick add some calories in. So let's say, for example, you know that this weekend you've got a really chilled weekend and usually you and your partner or you and your friends go out and have brunch or you might have brunch in. And it's usually quite high calorie because you like having that, you know, those maple syrup and pancake stacks. Then you might have quite a hefty dinner and with that might come lots of chocolate. So you have to kind of sit with yourself and go, right, I'm in a calorie deficit right now. My goal is this. My goal is to lose weight, lose body fat. I can't do all three, but I could do two out of three or I could do one out of three. So that might mean, okay, I really, really like that, you know, maple syrup stack, stack of pancakes um, that we make at home. And I've worked out that they are 800 calories. So I know I can definitely fit those in. And I know I can definitely fit some chocolate in later in the evening, but actually I won't be able to fit in my big stodgy meal that I also like where we usually get pizza, garlic bread, chicken, whatever. So I'm going to have to compromise there. I might have just a chicken salad. Sounds a bit boring, I know, but you've had your maple and your bacon for breakfast and your pancakes. Or it might be that actually you have, you know, the garlic bread and whatever, but you just stash it stash it out <laughs> not the right word but you bulk it out with loads of salad so you might have a couple of slices of pizza and loads of salad so you don't feel like you're missing out so you do have to really think about what do I usually do on the weekends how do I like to eat and how can I make this work for me where do I need to compromise and you need to be on top of this so that midweek if you know you've got social plans or if you know things are gonna like fall down on the weekend and you know that you can just feel this creeping niggling thing coming in where you just want to like go fuck it on the weekends and just go for it and eat everything in sight right at that moment you need to remember what is my goal right now and how can I take the right action to support my goal right now how can I be really proactive about this 
So forward plan. And this must happen every single week. And if you're working with a coach, ask your coach, how can I plan better? How can I make sure I do this? I have clients that message me every week that say, I'm going to, I had a client last week, I'm going to Turtle Bay this weekend. I'm going to have cocktails with the girls. Here's the menu. What do you suggest I do? What cocktails should I choose from? And I will help them. I will give them guidance. And for you, this might be a bit of Googling. So you might go onto your menu um, online and search for the calories and that kind of thing. So you have to pre-plan and prepare for your weekends. Not doing so is where you will massively fall down. And remember, a calorie deficit should be a short-term thing. So this isn't something that you are going to have to do forever, but it's always good to learn how to compromise because this will also support your, you know, your, your weight loss maintenance after. Um, okay, so next up, we've got food environment. So food environment just basically means what you have readily available at home and making sure that you're setting yourself up with a sound food environment when you're dieting is so, so key. And it's really difficult for some clients that come to me that have kids and they're like, Harry has got a cupboard full of chocolate bars, a cupboard full of crisps, a cupboard full of this. And all I can think about is those foods. So I appreciate for, <laughs> for everyone, the food environment stuff might be tough, but you have to, one, learn how to sit with these urges and not, not eat. <laughs> and two, you also need to learn how to fuel yourself properly so that you're not feeling hungry all the time and then ending up in Harry's cupboards of chocolate and crisps. Um, so making sure your food environment is um, topped up is really important. So one of the things that I suggest doing is just like going into your kitchen and just kind of like surveying what you have. Um, what do you have available? What's really easy to reach and what isn't? So for example, one of my clients actually said to me, after Christmas, I put all of my Christmas chocolates in a Tupperware box and I put it on the top shelf. Now, whilst I still allow myself to have one a day or a couple a day after Christmas, actually reaching up to that top shelf to get the Tupperware out sometimes was real effort. So actually, it, I'd, sometimes I couldn't be asked to reach up there to get it. So that I, so I just grabbed a piece of fruit instead. So sometimes this works, but what I don't want it to encourage is a restrictive mindset with food. Like it shouldn't be that you... <laughs> you have to put this food in like some kind of explosive safe safe where you've got to like put a, in a key code to unlock it with a padlock and you've got to get some kind of like sledgehammer to slam it open and then you know you can get into it no we don't want anything like that um but what we do want is to, for you to have a food environment where it makes uh, it much easier for you to make more sensible choices that are going to support your goal and actually fill you up um, and not lead to wasting calories on a load of, you know, junk food that then you're going to be kicking yourself for later on because you can't eat all your dinner because you've wasted all your calories on chocolate bars. So, for example, this might look like chopping up a load of carrots, cucumber, celery, peppers, and keeping it in the fridge just so that if you get picky fingers, if you get to that time of the day where you know you want to pick, you can reach into the fridge, you can grab that Tupperware box and you've got a few things there just to nibble on. It's also really good if you're just really hungry and you just don't have enough time to you know, grab something to eat. 
Another thing, that, and also, can I just say, you can actually go onto Amazon and buy a salad chopper. Literally changed my life. Like, you literally put the carrot in, push it down, chops it up, done. Like, no more spending hours chopping. And you can put all sorts in, onions, whatever. So get yourself a salad chopper. There you go. Um, but also things like having yogurt ready available. So yogurt's a great, you know, option for dieting, really high in protein, not so high in calories. So you might have yogurt, you might have berries, you might have fruit, you might have um, frozen berries, you might have your fa favorite rice cakes, you might have some favorite low calorie snacks like popcorn and those kind of things that really fill you up or just take the edge of your hunger but support your goals have those available and buy them frequently I cannot tell you how many times I have conversations with clients that say oh it got to that time of the week where we've got nothing left in the cupboard so I just ate my kids chocolate if you are going out and about each day you are probably passing petrol stations and mini supermarkets give yourself two minutes probably Okay, let's say five, 10 minutes to pull over, go into the supermarket, grab the popcorn, the, the ice cream, ice cream, the yogurt, the fruit that you have run out of, that you, you know, survive on each day because they support your goals. Survive is probably a bad word to use there, but you know what I mean, that support you. Stop, grab them, stock up. Even if it's not food shop day, if you're low on them and they really help to fill you up and help to fill a void and help you to tick, you know, a craving urge, stop, get them, fill up and get them back in your house. Because yes, once you have eaten all of the things that support your goals in the house and you've, you're left with nothing other than Nutella jar, crisps and bread, you are probably going to end up having some kind of disgusting Nutella crisp sandwich at 4pm because you've got nothing left. So if you are out and about, if you drop the kids to school or if you've, um, you know, driven to work, whatever, swing by a mini market. Are they called mini markets? Oh, whatever. Swing by a mini market and pick up the things that you need to stock up on. I can't even, you know, I can't even encourage you enough to do this because it will help you. Buy a punnet of strawberries, buy that cucumber buy the things that support you buy the pepsi max it takes minutes and it will resolve so many of your oh my god i've got nothing to eat oh accidentally ate a crisp and nutella sandwich so food environment is key make sure you've got lots of low calorie high volume foods such as salad vegetable fruits popcorn rice cakes that kind of thing basically puffed air is really great um, and then also making sure that you've got protein in it as well. So obviously, if you're veggie and vegan, these options are going to be very different to you. You might have to supplement with shakes and protein bars. But for people who eat um, normally or flexitarians, make sure that you have chicken, ham, tuna, boiled eggs, yogurt, things that are easy and accessible. Sometimes I will even buy processed chicken. You know, I will buy Bernard Matthews chicken. Yes, I do. Because it's just easy and I can just get it in a wrap or I can get it in a sandwich. And yes, you're all probably cursing me right now because <laughs> of the food environment. But hey, if I'm hungry and I just want some protein, it's there and I'm sorted. So food environment is key. Okay. The next one I'm going to talk about is the cost benefit. So this has been talked about on other podcasts that you might have listened to, but sometimes you just have to weigh up the benefit of what you, you are spending your calories on. So for example, you might, um, let's go back to the first sort of theory I was looking at where you've got 1700 calories. 
you might look at going, right, am I going to spend those extra 150 calories a night on some ice cream? And the benefit of that is is the fact that it really supports my ability to stick to my diet because I don't feel restricted and I'm able to enjoy something I eat every day? Or am I actually going to benefit from saving those 150 calories and really enjoying that meal out with my friends where I'm going to have a glass of wine and a pudding? Which cost is going to benefit me more. So am I going to be more benefited by the fact that I can have a bit of what I fancy or am I going to pay the price of actually coming under my calories each day and I might be a little bit hungry but actually the benefit of that leads to I can really enjoy myself on Saturday night. So understanding like the cost benefit of what you're doing with the calories is really important and this will help you when you are mindlessly picking on food. For example, what is the cost of this right now if I'm in the cupboard eating like Harry's Kit Kat and his packet of crisps, this has just cost me 250 calories of now which I can't enjoy from my dinner. So what have I learned from this? Actually, when I'm in Harry's cupboard eating his chocolate and crisps, what I need to do is before I even open it, take a pause, take a moment and go, what's the cost benefit of me doing this? What's it going to cost me and how is this going to benefit me? It's going to cost me 250 calories and it's not actually going to benefit me in any way because it's going to take away from my dinner or I'm going to have to eat 250 calories less. So what I'm going to do is go and nibble on a couple of carrots that I've got in the fridge or go and have a boiled egg or something like that if I am hungry and I need something to tie myself over. So understanding the cost benefit of your habits and your actions when in a deficit is really, really important. Okay, next up, delayed gratification. So this basically means um, delaying what makes you, I don't want to say what makes you feel good, but delaying the really cool, exciting stuff that makes you feel really good and delaying it for later instead of having it straight away. Or it might actually be delaying the stuff that you, how can I phrase this? Delaying your procrastination, I want to say. So, for example, the delayed gratification trap or the instant gratification trap, I should say, because if you're constantly in an instant gratification trap, you are always choosing the easier option. So, for example, if you were somebody who gets home from work and you had the decision or choice to either sit at home, chill, scroll on your phone because you had a, you're knackered, you've had a really, really long day and you um, just feel too tired to go to the gym and you just can't be asked. The instant gratification that you get there is basically the fact that you've allowed yourself to chill without showing up to your workout. So somebody who delays their gratification will go, do you know what? I am tired. I have had a shit day at work, but actually I'm going to show up to my workout today and I'm going to really look forward to and enjoy that chill time after my workout. So I delay my gratification instead of choosing instant gratification. And this is the same for, you know, the theory that I said about the 1700 calories and banking 150. What would you prefer? Would you prefer that instant gratification of being having that ice cream every evening? Or would you prefer to delay that gratification and actually really enjoy your meal out on a Saturday night? So understanding your habits and whether you're falling into the, the instant gratification trap is really key. And just learning to delay your gratification 
is also really key. So just ask yourself, if you're finding yourself in the habit of doing something and it's really annoying you, are you choosing to essentially, are you choosing the easy option or the lazy option versus doing the hard thing, showing up and then enjoying how you feel or enjoying the thing that you wanted to do after it? So delaying your gratification is number five. We've got three more to go. Um, Number six, communication. Tell your friends and family. So this is something that I really encourage clients to do, especially if they've got they've got family or partners that don't really understand what they're doing and maybe don't support what they're doing that much or don't support their goals. Um, And just having an open conversation with somebody in your close network and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. For me to show up and be the Angie that you want me to be, I need you to be on board with me and understand that when I'm in a supermarket, I might have to scan a few things on my phone to make sure that I am sticking within my calorie deficit. When I'm at a restaurant, you might have to give me a little bit more time so that I can make a decision that aligns with my goals. Getting frustrated at me is not helping me and it's not helping us. So please understand that where I'm at right now, I've got to slow down here and really think about the choices I'm making. And I need your help and support by just being patient with me. And quite often, just spelling it out to your partner, spelling it out to your family is really, really helpful because you've told them then, hey, listen, I'm doing this thing. You might not not like the fact I'm calorie tracking, but right now I can show up as the Angie, as the person that you want me to be if you allow me the time to just do this little thing. And I can be the person that you love spending time with if you just give me a few moments. Okay, so really open, clear communication is helpful. Another thing that you might want to do, and this has happened to me actually quite a lot with family because I've been a yo-yo dieter in the past and I've done lots of different diets, is explaining to your family, listen, I appreciate you, you know how many diets I've done in the past and the fact that I'm doing another diet now, you're probably rolling your eyes, but I just want you to bear with me. This time, this time, it's for real. This time, I'm going at things at a really healthy approach. I'm including the things that I usually cut out. Usually I cut out carbs. Usually I cut out chocolate. But I'm allowing myself to have things like that. But I'm being very mindful. So sometimes when you offer me a biscuit, I might actually say yes. But other times I might say no. I'd really, really love it if you pass no judgment on what I ate. Now, obviously, it's a hot topic. Not many people, I shouldn't say not many people, but a lot of people will struggle to support what you're doing. Family, friends, that kind of thing. Hopefully they won't and hopefully you have, hopefully they will, sorry, and hopefully you have a really supportive network. But I know from working with a lot of clients, this takes time and it takes time for your family, your partners, your loved ones to come on board with you. And what's really funny is most of the time, three months or three years later, the husbands that were cursing you for getting your 10,000 steps in every day are now asking you for a step tracker for Christmas and trying to get their 12,000 steps in for it each day. So that has happened too. Okay, I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet. Eat big meals with food volume. So what that means is basically making sure that the meals that you are eating are high in volume. So protein is really, really dense. So that is going to fill you up for longer. But also having things like lots of vegetables, 
fruit, salads, lots of high volume foods that don't cost you much many calories. So if you are looking at somebody who's dieting on a calorie deficit, you might see that actually they might have pasta and they might have salmon, but they might also add in some broccoli and some peas into there because that means that they can have a bit less pasta. There's nothing wrong with carbs. It's just slightly higher in calories, but they can bulk out their meal with something slightly lower in calories, such as vegetables, and still feel as full. And also trying to eat your five fruit and veg a day will really help you with your calorie deficit. So eating big meals and with eating big meals, expect bloating. I can't tell you how many times I have this conversation with clients about bloating. If you're eating bigger meals and higher food volume, you are going to experience bloating. It's normal. It will pass. It's not fat, it's food. Um, And then finally, reminding yourself of your end goal and your future self. So like I said before, if you're on a calorie deficit or in a calorie deficit, hopefully it is for a short period of time. Some people might diet for six months. Some people might diet for a year. And hopefully that is a steady and slow approach. And for some people, they might be dieting for a short period of time. So when you have wobbles and when you want to quit, Remind yourself of your end goal. Put pieces of paper up around the house and remind yourself of what you're working towards and who you want to be. I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, please let me know. Message me on Instagram. Please share, subscribe and like this podcast. And I would love to hear your feedback. That's it for now. Enjoy and goodbye.